As you may know, the Bhagavad Gita, this basic book, is sometimes played down in circles of Gaudiya Vaishnavas as being elementary, and in many respects it is, compared to some of the topics that some of the Goswami's books are directly focused on. But without such a foundation, without learning the ABCs, you cannot speak the language. Without such a foundation, you cannot build a house of bhakti. And at the same time, if we look deeply into Bhagavad Gita through the eyes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's tradition, we may find so many valuable jewels there. So those who play down the importance of the Bhagavad Gita may not be entirely speaking in the interest of everyone coming within the fold of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in a realistic way, step by step. Although Chaitanya Mahaprabhu talked about such a high ideal, and we may be encouraged and inspired by that, to keep that on high above our head and concentrate ourselves, our energy, our time on that which is relevant to our immediate progress through, of course, hearing and chanting and so forth. But in the course of hearing and chanting and practicing, we have to look for those signs, road signs, landmarks along the way that say you're coming closer, you're making progress. Once a governor of mine asked Sridhar Maharaj, had he seen Krishna? And typically, as a Vaishnav would, he kind of avoided the question in different ways. And, but the fellow kept coming back and asking it again and again from so many different angles. <laughs> and typically, he said, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was once asked that question. There was a fellow, a gentleman, a respectable, well-to-do Hindu gentleman that came for his darshan. And Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta was speaking with him, and after the talk, the gentleman said, I want to ask you one question in private. So Sridhar said, eh, this is private. He said, no, I have to ask you this question in private. So Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada obliged him, and Sridhar said he was uh, newer to the mission at the time, and he was really interested to know what this gentleman will ask Guru Maharaj in private. So they went back into the garden area, and Sridhar Maharaj snuck up and listened in <laughs> to find out what secret private thing he could be asking our Gurudev. And what he asked was, have you seen Krishna? <laughs> so Prabhupada Sasati Thakur replied, what good will that question do for you? If I say yes, then will you know anything? Many people say they've seen Krishna, <laughs> many so-called devotees. So maybe then I'll be just lumped in with him, and if I say no, then then you'll think, well, why should I follow him? So this is not a useful question for your spiritual progress, is how he answered. So Shudomar similarly was answering in that way, but this fellow kept pressing and pressing. Yes, I know that, I know that, but, I mean, have you actually <laughs> seen Krishna? And the question betrays also a kind of ignorance about the conclusion of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the preogen of Gaudiya Vaishnavism which is not necessarily to see Krishna. Even a sadhaka can see Krishna. It's quite possible. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in terms of speaking of the Prayojan in some of his writings, speaks of seeing Radha and, of course, Krishna, but he mentions Radha in particular, from a distance, sometimes. Sridhar Maharaj once told me, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is indirect, he said. First there is Krishna, then there is the Vaishnav, then there's the servant of the Vaishnav, then there's the servant of the servant of the Vaishnav, and then we come in the fifth position. But wonderfully, of course, the what appears to be indirect is a direct experience because the experience is about developing, maturing the service ego. So the more we are down the line, so to speak, and it's not the less that we have access to the served, but that much more so. In fact, it's said about the devotees of the Lord, the Siddha Mahatmas, the pure devotees, that Krishna wants to serve them very much, but they never give him any opportunity to do so. They should find that Krishna's tricked them in some way to offer service to them, and they run away from that. But it is Krishna's ardent, fervent desire to serve such unalloyed devotees. So this desire 
can be fulfilled by the servants of the devotees through whom Krishna is able to render service to them so we can come in such a position and endear ourselves thereby that much more to the Lord by filling his most cherished desire that in a sense even his unalloyed devotees won't allow. Parlad wanted. Nishingadev offered Parlad he wanted to render him some service. And in so many ways he tried to convince Parlad, please let me do something for you. And he resisted. That resistance is the evidence of Parlad's position as a Shuddha-bhakta. Of course, ultimately he acquiesced and said, well, do something for my father. You have to do something. Be kind to him. So to ask the question, have you seen Krishna, as if to say, that's the be-all and end-all, it is not. It's to serve Krishna with purity and devotion. And if Krishna chooses, who says, if he comes before me and embraces me, that's fine. If he doesn't, he tramples on me, and I'm not moving from my position as his servitor. So at any rate, Sridhar Marsh, after being pressed by this fellow, he said, I will not be so audacious as to say that I've seen Krishna, but I've seen road signs along the way, and it's very encouraging to me. So he instructed in this way that we should look for those landmarks. We should look for humility, tolerance, kindness to all beings in our character. If we don't see this in ourselves, then we shouldn't expect to see much beyond that. Nadanam, Najanam, Nasundarim. This is Ruchi. Nadanam, Najanam, Nasundarim. It's described in a backwards way. <laughs> no taste for anything else. Kavitamba. Not even knowledge. Not even renunciation. So we should try to culture this kind of thinking, this kind of service ego. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur used to say, we shall try not to see Krishna, and our Prabhupada used to echo this, but act in such a way that Krishna will want to see us. He's not blind. So our sincere service doesn't go unnoticed. So Advaita Charja, his connection with Bhagavad Gita, this basic book, which we should become acquainted with, and Thereby, those things, other things, knowledge and detachment, that we may go beyond in the stage of ruchi bhakti, should come within us, our being first, a sense of religiousness and duty through the execution of bhakti, humility, tolerance, so forth, all these things. Knowledge, proper understanding of the scripture, renunciation, all these are topics of Bhagavad Gita. And they are all laid out, for the most part, before Krishna emphasizes bhakti. And after he does, in the middle of six chapters, ending with chapter 12, Krishna reiterates again in the final six chapters, in 13, 14, and 15, particularly the metaphysics of the Gita in detail, so much knowledge, knowledge about the nature of Prakriti, Purusha, the field, the knower of the field, the modes of material nature, how they bind, how they're born of material nature, and so forth, in so much detail. He gives this knowledge. He speaks in the 15th chapter about detachment. And then again, threading throughout that bhakti also, but then again he comes in the end, to a full, as we spoke last night, emphasis on bhakti, the conclusion. So the idea is that these things should develop within one who's engaged in bhakti, who's been blessed by the generosity of bhakti. And we should look for their development as signs of our progress. We'll have to cross through so many planes to enter into Goloka Vrindavan, beyond the Brahmanda and uh, whatever is valuable there, and Viraj, Baikunta, Dwarka, Mathura. We take the course of Gopakumar and Snatha Goswami's seminal Brihat Bhagavatamrita. 
when we look at that, we can understand what kind of progress we have to make to realize what the gift of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was. And this gift of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that was brought to us by Advaita Prabhu, Advaita Charja, in many respects. Advaita Charja arranged for the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in terms of his preaching Leela, and then he arranged for him to retire from that as well. And only with his blessings did Mahaprabhu do that, retire from his preaching and enter into his deep bhajan life of uh, Vipralamba and Radhabhav with the permission of Advaita, who had called him for preaching at a time which, we are told esoterically, happened to coincide with Krishna's most introspective moments, thinking deeply about what it is about me that makes me as attractive as I am to Radha, what is her experience, and so forth. So Mahaprabhu, as the preacher of the Yuga Dharma, the Yuga Avatara comes through the Mahavishnu, Advaita Charya is that Maha and Vishnu. Maha means also Mahat, Mahadev. So he is the combination of Mahadev, Shiv, and Mahavishnu. A particular combination of these two described in Chaitanya Charitamrita in sixth chapter of Adi Lila. It is said about his mother, Labhadevi, that she had a dream and in that dream, she saw Sadashiva sitting in meditation for 700 years, thinking compassionately about the condition of Kali Yuga that was coming forward and what to do about the plight of the fallen souls in that age. And when he came out of his meditation, Mahavishnu came and, and saw him in tears and said, Why are you crying? And he told him, this is my concern for the people of the Kali Yuga. And Mahavishnu embraced him and because he was meditating on Mahavishnu, that, that he would get the spiritual power to do something for these people. And Vishnu embraced him and said, you and I are one. She saw this in the dream. <laughs> and after seeing this wonderful mystical dream, she reported it to her husband. I think his name was Kuvair and his previous life of course, was as the treasurer of the demigods, Kubera, and closely related to Shiva. And they talked about it, had a number of sons, and I believe six of them, four of them had taken sannyas and left home. Another was there. But seeing the dream, they, his mother envisioned it, oh, through me this is supposed to happen. This has been revealed. So I will be the carrier of that child that is the incarnation of Shiva and Vishnu, who shows compassion to the fallen souls of Kali Yuga. So, at Shantipur, it was conceived, and this is Advaita Charja, full of compassion for the fallen souls, so much so it said that his compassion, or the influence of Shiva, reached a pitch of anger and frustration, and with that, he up took up the worship of Shalagram, Patram, Pushpam, Palamtoya, with Ganges water and Tulsi. And with such devotion, he was satisfied. The Lord, of course, he is the Lord, but acting as a devotee, worshipping the Shalagram representative of himself, that Krishna himself would appear. And although all the avatars issue from this Mahavishnu, in this instance, he had to pray for for this avatar, who's avatari, Krishna himself, Swayam Bhagavan, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, Ete Chamsa, Ete Chamsa Kalapumsa. So all these incarnations that have been mentioned from the Mahavishnu. But this one is special, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. So in order for this one to come through him, special arrangement had to be made. He doesn't have to worship Shringa and Varaha, to get them to appear. But if Mahavishnu wants his own source to appear, then he has to make for a special arrangement, a special puja. So he did that, and his cry said to break throughout the universe. And 
coincide, as I say, with Krishna's introspective moments, and Krishna decided to descend as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, both as Yuga Avatar with a mission for preaching and purifying the hearts of everyone and giving them the highest possible wealth, offering this to them. So we owe a great debt to Advaita Charja. And he was a great preacher of Bhagavad Gita. So it's not to be left out, Bhagavad Gita. He strongly was preaching Bhagavad Gita in Shantipur, even if no one would listen. Why they might not listen? Because he was explaining every verse from a devotional perspective. And at that time, in that area in particular, devotion to Krishna, devotion to the Supreme Lord, it was not the interest of most of the people. They were caught up at that time, especially in Nadia, near the Shantipur, that area. They were caught up in what was called Navanyaya, a kind of combination of Vinyaya and Vaisheshika philosophies. And uh, these are, elements of them are incorporated in Vedanta and Bhakti, but they do accept the Shastra Praman the evidence of the scripture, but they come to different conclusions than that of Vedanta. So, interest in the conclusion of the Veda and the devotional conclusion, Bhaktivedanta was not high, so he spoke about this from Bhagavad Gita. As you may know, there are other interpretations of Bhagavad Gita, and the one, if any, that was popular was that which posited Gyan as the be-all and end-all, and Bhakti as subservient to Gyan. So Advaita did not like that conclusion. And it is said that he would explain Bhagavad Gita verse by verse, repeatedly, and if there was any verse that he could not immediately come up with a devotional explanation of, he would fast until he could get inspired devotional understanding of it. And it is said that uh, later when Mahaprabhu revealed himself in the Mahaprakash Leela, Mahaprabhu sat on the throne and called the different devotees and revealed to them that he was the Supreme Lord, that he was behind all of their activities of devotion, helping them in every in every instance of their lives. He reminded them of various things that uh, happened to them and how they overcame difficulties. Like that one one of his devotees, he told them, remember the time you were with your family and the Muslims were attacking and they came and you came to the river and there was no boat to cross the other side and they were riding behind you to capture you and the fear that your wife would be defiled and abused by them arose in you and you called out to me and a boatman appeared. I was that boatman, and I took you to the other side. And Murari Gupta, he called and said, You are Hanuman, I am Ram, and so forth. And, and this went on for hours and hours, practically the whole, some 22 hours, an ecstatic manifestation of the godhood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This comes out a little more in, in Chaitanya Bhagwat. Well, there's mention of Chaitanya Charitamrita, some details in Chaitanya Bhagavad. So Advaita was also called, and Mahaprabhu said, you studied Bhagavad Gita and recited it regularly, and it was I who gave you those devotional understandings to every text. Mystically, Mahaprabhu himself personally revealed Advaita Charitamrita's interpretation of Bhagavad Gita. And he said, except for one verse that you had trouble with, he said, when you fast at night, because you haven't come up with a devotional understanding, I cannot tolerate it, because when you fast, then I cannot eat <laughs> either. So that's why I came, and I, that night I explained it to you. I could not bear to see you fasting. It says, verse, I have the text open to here from Bhagavad Gita. It's a very Upanishadic verse. In fact, it is a verse that's also found in Sri Tashvatara Upanishad. And the verses that follow it in this section of chapter 13 are also very similar to the verses of that section of Sri Tashvatar Upanishad. Sarvatapani padam tat sarvatoji chiromukam sarvatahasri mutaloke sarvam avritatishtati. You may know this verse. 
Lord says everywhere are his hands and legs, his eyes, heads and faces, and his ears are everywhere. In this way, the supersoul exists, pervading everything. So, of course, Prabhupada says, in this way, the supersoul exists, and he reads in here a, a devotional understanding of the text. But the word supersoul isn't in the text itself, but it's not at all inappropriate. But the verse is, it lends more readily, some people like to think, to an impersonalist understanding as does this section. This chapter itself, chapter 13, is a very important chapter describing some of the metaphysics of Bhagavad Gita. But it's a chapter that the impersonalist school, the other Advaitas, get some mileage out of. Of course, until they come into the thrust of Jiva Goswami's arguments, which are followed by Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur and Bali Vijibhusan and other commentators like Aguru Maharaj, modern-day commentators. Jiva Sami in Paramatma Sandarbha explains a number of verses from this chapter. Basically, the explanation is centered around the third verse of the chapter where Krishna says that, and I'm also the knower in this field, in all fields, and I'm also the knower in all fields, so that my buddies, they, they get some mileage out of that by way of interpreting that that uh, that, that soul, soul that is the knower of the field, Krishna is that soul. And there's only one soul. The idea that there are many is illusion and so forth. So anyway, we have our explanations and refutations. Ramanuja's commentary on that particular verse is the longest commentary in his whole tika. So we're not short of words to explain this chapter in a devotional light. In this verse, the words, the idea was given by Mahaprabhu to Advaita, how to understand it. And actually, in one sense, it explains all three aspects of the Absolute, Advaigyan, Tattva, this is our Advaita, our non-difference. Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Shabdate. Vadanti Tattva Vidas Tattva Gyanam Advayam. So, the life, the spiritual life, participation in post-liberated bhakti, Krishna Leela, it arises out of this platform of Advaigyan Tattva. And Bhagavatam says, this is the learned describe reality in this way, Advaigyan Tattva. And furthermore, categorizes that Advaigyan Tattva, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. And so this verse and this section of verses here describes these three aspects of divinity. Everywhere are his hands and legs, his eyes, heads, faces, and he hears everywhere. And this way the supersoul exists, Prabhupada says, pervading everything. So in a sense it speaks about the all-pervasive feature, so it's obviously speaking about Brahman. The supersoul as well, as much as the supersoul is in everyone's heart and in every atom, so there's nowhere that he's not. But then how does it speak about devotion, bhakti? The idea is something like this. Krishna's devotees are everywhere. Everywhere there's a devotee of Krishna. In fact, Jivera Sarupai Krishna Nityadas. Mahaprabhu said everyone is a servant of Krishna. Everyone is by nature a devotee of Krishna. So wherever his devotees, his devotees, if they're not everywhere, they go everywhere. They go everywhere. Mahaprabhu's to fulfill Mahaprabhu's prediction, that a stone will not be left unturned where Mahaprabhu's glorious son. So, wherever they are, and wherever they offer prayers to Krishna, then he comes and accepts whatever they offer. Their food is always offered, he's always there to accept it. Wherever they pay dandavats, he walks there and stands before them to accept such prostrations. Whenever they sing about him, he's there hearing. What does he say? That uh, in uh, Padma Purana, Aham tishtanti vaikunte yoginam hridayeshuva. I'm not in the hearts of the yogis. I'm not even in Vaikuntha. I vacate that place. Where am I? Oh, Narda etragayanti madbhakta. Wherever my devotees are singing about me, even the, wherever the sadhakas are sincerely singing about me, I go there. So in this way, Krishna is all-pervasive. And of course, also, in another sense, his form itself 
is all-pervasive. We may speak about the feature of the Lord, his Brahman feature that is all-pervasive, but his form is also everywhere. He demonstrated that in Bhagavad Gita earlier by showing the universal form, the form in which the whole universe was contained, and that was from him. He showed it in Vrindavan, when Mother Yashoda looked in his mouth and saw the whole universe. He showed in the Damanar Leela, as much rope as they tried to gather to tie him up, to bind him, it was two inches too short, and he wasn't growing fatter and fatter every time they added rope. So he showed, my form is all pervasive, even though staying in one place, even though moving from place to place, from Govardhan to Radhakun to Vrindavan, he's everywhere at the same time. But Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur has commented in Chaitanya Bhagwat in this section where Mahaprabhu revealed to Advaita it was I who was behind your devotional explanations. I mystically explained every verse to you that this verse in particular lends very well to the metaphysic of Gaudiya Vaishnava's Achinta Veda Veda Tattva. We're not shy of any devotional explanation of these texts. So Advaita Charja was this way very much involved with Bhagavad Gita. We should take heed of that. A very important devotional text, not something that should be neglected. He preached regularly the devotional conclusions. And so bent he was on giving devotional conclusions and the highest devotional conclusions that on one occasion, as you may know, he spoke non-devotional conclusions to the Bhagavad Gita for the purpose of establishing the highest devotion, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the highest object of worship. <laughs> this is certainly the message of Bhagavad Gita. So, somehow or other, it was his way of finding a devotional explanation, reaching a devotional conclusion, establishing a devotional point. This way he went in a very roundabout, backwards way. From his house, he began to explain Bhagavad Gita in terms of bhakti being subordinate to jnana. And Goridas Pandit was hearing this explanation, had to plug his ears. He ran to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Advaita is glorifying jnana over bhakti from Bhagavad Gita. We have to do something about this. Mahaprabhu went in a rage and asked three times, what is superior, jnana or bhakti? Each time he said, jnana, jnana, jnana. And Mahaprabhu began to beat him, and kick him. And Advaita, of course, at this time was in his uh, Leela of old age. Advaita is a particular incarnation of the Lord. We know of Krishna's ages, Kumar, Poganda, Kishar, and Yovan, youthfulness. And he remains like that youthfulness for a long time. But Advaita also demonstrates the Leela of old age, although it said he never became old in appearance. Still, he had a Leela of old age. And so he was, at that time, he was quite old. He married Advaita Charji when he was 50. In his youth, he had many pastimes similar to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, showing great learning and turning learning on its head. He demonstrated his godhood at different times. He served his guru very obediently. After serving his guru, I think his name was Shantacharya, very obediently. His special position of Advaita amongst Shantacharya's students, Shantacharya desired to reveal. So it is said that, so that the other students would not be envious of him if he pointed him out to be his best student. He wanted to point him out in a way that everyone could understand that he was the best student more than the best student. He was the supreme teacher himself. So they came to the banks of a beautiful lake and there was a, many lotuses in that lake and a very special lotus in the center. At the same time, there were many snakes in that lake. So he asked, will one of you please get that beautiful lotus in the center for me? So in order to get there, he had to swim out to the center of the lake and there were so many poisonous snakes. So everyone hesitated, but the waiter didn't hesitate for a moment. He ran out, and it said as he ran, lotuses popped out from the 
from beneath the water, and, and he walked on them all the way out there. And one of the serpents came out and made a big hood and covered over him for further protection from the heat of the sun. And he gathered that lotus and brought it back. And all the god brothers realized, he's special. <laughs> he's the best. In his childhood also, he is said to have been taken by one prince to the Durga temple. And when the prince paid obeisances to Durga, Advaita refused. And when he refused, the prince became very upset, calling him an offender. And Advaita became very upset, enraged. He became so angry with that Rudra, that Bhav, that anger of Shiva, that that prince died on the spot from his anger. And so the elders came and was a moment of concern to say the least, but he sprinkled some water on that prince and he came back to life again. Everyone was amazed. Still, his father felt it was important to teach him that he should respect the goddess. And Advaita replied that I don't bow down to anybody except Krishna. And his father said, that's all right. We should have devotion to Krishna, but we should respect everyone else. No harm to bow down before them. We can keep in mind that Krishna is the supreme and they are some representative of Krishna and regard him in this way, but still Advaita refused. And as the, some protests continued about him, then the, the deity cracked the Durga deity and she came out and there was a oracle from the sky that said, the husband will never bow down to the wife. And this way everyone could understand the extraordinary position of Advaita as Shiva himself, the husband of Durga. He showed many wonderful things in his youth, in his childhood, and in in youth he, he also studied, as I said, and um, showed extraordinary learning capacity. After that he traveled to so many holy places. He went to Vrindavan. In a dream, the Madan Mohandidi was revealed to him. Worship was established. Again, the, the deity disappeared at some point when there was attacked by Muslims, hid under a pile of flowers, like flower prashad that had been piled up, then revealed himself again to Advaita and was asked to be brought to Mathura and eventually was given to Sanatana Goswami Prabhu. Advaita was finding himself very happy in Vrindavan, but he got another dream in which the Lord told him to go back to Bengal and establish the Yugal Murti, the worship of Radha and Krishna. Just in accordance with that picture from Sevakunj that he could find that Vishaka had drawn of Radha and Krishna and shown to Radha to draw some emotion from her. Vitacharya is, as you can imagine, a very complex person and he's been explained in, in different ways to be have representation in many leelas of the Lord, even in the Krishna leela, it is he's explained to be Purnamasi through Sita Takurani. We call Advaita Sita. Same like Nityananda Janava. Nityananda is Nityananda and also Janava and as Janava Anangamanjari, the younger sister of Radharani. And so Advaita also has some participation in the Krishna Lila through Vishaka and through Purnamasi, through Madhu Mangal, the Brahmin friend of Krishna. So he established the Yugal Murti of Radha and Krishna worship, perhaps uh, before the Goswamis who came later and he was worshipping that Yugal Murti, Radha and Krishna. So many wonderful things he did. His Leela was very extraordinary, and one extraordinary aspect about it was his old age. At 50, he was brahmachari till 50, and at 50, he, at the request of his aging parents, he, he married. And, of course, he married Sita and another, Sri Devi, and they were not, as I've described, Sita Thakurani, not an ordinary person, they were made for one another in heaven, <laughs> in maiden Vaikuntha marriage, <laughs> already arranged and reappearing on earth. 
So he married, he fathered children himself. The principal son of his was a Chutananda, who got special mercy from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. How he got special mercy from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was by his insistence on the supreme position of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself in public. This is something that Advaita was very concerned about. As I'm describing, he spoke Bhagavad Gita in a backwards way, emphasizing jnana over bhakti for the purpose of establishing this once and for all. When this idea came from his young son as a Chutananda, Mahaprabhu was very pleased, and Advaita, of course, as well. How he, that's how he became his favorite son. It said that some sons of Advaita, they did not acknowledge that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was superior to Advaita, and on this basis, Advaita rejected them. In other words, they wanted to say that Mahavishnu was superior to Krishna, that Krishna was an incarnation of Mahavishnu. Advaita could not tolerate this. He rejected them altogether. Such is his devotion to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Swayam Bhagavan. So, he spoke that Bhagavad Gita in this way, emphasizing jnana over bhakti, and Mahaprabhu came to chastise him. He said, Gyan, 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 every time Mahaprabhu asked, Gyan va bhakti, which Gyan ar bhakti, Gyan va bhakti, which one? Either Gyan or bhakti is superior. He said, Gyan, 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 and Mahaprabhu beat him and beat him and beat him. And he was old, and Siddha Thakurani was a little concerned, but Advaita, of course, was taking great pleasure in it. And what was his purpose? To establish that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the, is the worshipable, and I am the worshiper. This is my position. From Advaita, if we study Chaitanya Charitamrita 6th chapter, we learn very much about service. We learn that service, that serving ego, is the basis of all of the varied expressions of love for Krishna. That in their full-blown expression, as like Sakyabhava or Madhuryabhava, they don't look overtly to be service always. Mother Yasoda's Vatsalyabhava, in which she's chasing Krishna and, and binding him up and chasing him with a whipping stick, doesn't overtly look like service. But of course, inside of that, that serving ego is all pervasive. It's not really that Mother Yasoda wanted to bind him, to punish him. She had an idea that she had to punish him for his misdeeds, that he would learn proper behavior. But as she was chasing him, and as he was running, she started to think that I've shown this side to him, chastising him in such a way that I've never done before, and he might run away and not come back. So then she decided, I have to tie him up. So to keep him there, he might not run away. She tried to bind him. So if we look inside, we see that uh, love, affection, service, this is the basis. These are all serving dispositions, flowering, blossoming, blooming, bearing fruits in a particular way. And we learn this from this uh, sixth chapter of Adilila. This is stressed by Krishna Kaviraj Goswami, where he describes the position so we owe a great debt to him, much to learn. He should not be neglected. He's one of the three Prabhus in Panchatattva, Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu, and Advaita Prabhu, all lords, the lord and his shaktis in Panchatattva. And so Advaita is sometimes not given as much attention as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu, but days like this we have opportunity to remember and think, of the importance. He called Mahaprabhu, as I said, in terms of the Yuga Dharma, and thus he engaged him in fulfilling his desire for preaching and showing compassion to the conditioned souls. Were it not for that, then what would be our position? And it was only with his permission, as I mentioned, that Mahaprabhu was allowed to retire from his preaching and enter into the final antilila of his culture and experience of the ecstasy of Radha. You know that Advaita Charja is called Advaita because he's non-different from the Lord, as described. And Acharya because he 
preached the Bhagavad Prem Dharma of Bhagavad Gita so nicely. And he oversaw the preaching activities of Mahaprabhu, like Yoga Maya, making arrangements in the background. So when it came time for closing out the Leela, then that Mahaprabhu asked Advaita's permission. And Advaita wrote a, a poem, a mystical poem that was very difficult to understand. He said something like, you're a madman and there's no any longer need for rice in the market, having tasted that rice, I'm also a madman, just like you. So we shouldn't think that Advaita didn't get what Mahaprabhu came to give, didn't taste that. That's what he was relishing. Who was the special person who came in the place of the Yuga avatar that I worshipped to get him to come? And what was his special mission? And now I'm giving you permission. Yes, you've done this Yuga Dharma work, now you can do this. So it means, of course, that what you set in motion through your Krishna Sankirtan, that will go unchecked. You've laid it out now. You've done your chanting and distributing of Harinam. You set close friend Haridas Thakur, established him as an example, who is Brahma himself, with regards to the chanting. You instructed Rup and Sanatan in the philosophy. Now they're capable of explaining it thoroughly, as is their young student Jiva and others. Everything set up now. It's all in place. The Sampradaya has been established as much as now Rup Sanatan and Jiva Goswami, Gopal Bhatta, Raghunath Bhatta, Raghunath Das, they have everything they need to write those Bhakti Shastras. Nana Shastra Vicharanikanipano Saddharma Samstapako Lokanam Hitakarno Tribhuvane Manyosharanyakaro. This way they're prepared to explain about you, your ecstasy, what you are, what you mean to the world. This is, as I say, the establishing of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. So it's all in place. Now you can fulfill the other part of your mission, the esoteric part of your mission. Two parts. One, for distributing this high ideal of bhakti, special rag bhakti. And secondly, to taste the essence of it, which is Mahabhav, yourself. So go in this direction. You gave permission. And Mahaprabhu then retired from the preaching. Entering deeply into the Antilila, he cultured that vipralamba, Radhabhav. So, Advaita Prabhu is very important to us. He should not be neglected. This is the day of his appearance. And by his grace, we've been able to complete uh, work on Bhagavad Gita. So we ask Advaita Prabhu's blessings that the readers of the text will be inspired and be able to access the devotional understanding that's therein, an understanding that um, takes us uh, as far as the reach of Gaudiya Vaishnavism extends into transcendence. Advaita Charja Prabhu Ki Jai. Any question? Um, I'm sure you answered this, but where do we see Advaita Acharya in well, as I mentioned, uh, it is said that he's represented there through Vishaka Gopi, also through Madhu Mangal, and also through Purnamasi, who's Yoga Maya herself. But those are rather abstract, and you wouldn't know it unless someone told you it's not an obvious parallel like Nityananda and Balaram and so forth. So more as the person of Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu also appeared in Krishna Leela. And what did he want? He wanted to have the darshan of Krishna and Arjuna, the speaker and the listener of Bhagavad Gita. This is Advaita. And so he was very fond of Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> of these two, this is the most fond and most compassionate Leela of Krishna and Arjun, most fond and dear to all of us, the speaking of Bhagavad Gita. So it was very dear to Vishnu. He wanted to see Krishna and Arjun, who would then speak Bhagavad Gita, who would, who would have this sacred conversation. So this is a 
parallel Krishna Lila. Advaita is, of course, mentioned himself in Bhagavad Gita. At the end of the 10th chapter, he's mentioned, he says, Ekam Sena Sito Jagat. Ekamsa. Krishna says, You should know, Arjuna, that by but an anksa of myself, ekamsa, one partial manifestation of myself, the whole world comes forth. So who is that? That is Vishnu. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna said, Vishnu is the source of the world. He's just ekamsa of me. Arjuna's hair is standing on, and at that point, my goodness, you're God. Can you show it to me? <laughs> and the 11th chapter begins. Then in 14th chapter, Dvaita is also mentioned, Tasam Brahma Mahadyuni Raham Saikshita. We can't imagine how affectionate Advaita Charja is for us. He is that person who, it is said, became many. The one becomes many. The Lord becomes many by thinking about it and visualizing it. When we start to think about something, then we start to visualize it and we will it and then it happens. So with the visualization, the glance over material nature and the willing, I shall become many. From a homogeneous condition of Shushupti within Mahavishnu, a heterogeneous condition of many souls evolves. They're all there, but they're in a kind of a condition in which their individual natures are not functioning. They're dormant. Their individual nature as an eternal servant of Krishna has not been activated. And they have a karmic nature that is dormant. And so this Mahavishnu, this is the Badajiv. He becomes many. means all these souls emanate from him by his glancing over material nature. He wants all these souls in a dormant condition to have an opportunity to meet their maker. He glances over material nature and they become touched material nature, activated. The status of equilibrium of the modes is disturbed and pradhan, material nature, then starts to evolve and the jivas along with it. And the whole purpose of this, Vedanta Sutta says the world is all about joy. So it's out of love for all the jivas that the world is manifest to give them all a chance to meet their maker. Along with the world comes the Veda, which we're supposed to follow. And by working in conjunction with the injunctions of the Vedas, we meet our maker and we come to love God and know the nature of God's love for us. This is how we can understand the material world. What is the purpose of the human race and all existence. It's for this. It's born of Vishnu's desire that all souls might come to know him as he is, to meet their maker. Unfortunately, being of the stamp of himself, of consciousness, and having will, then there's opportunity for misuse of that will. And in conjunction with material nature and the binding influence of the modes, some persons become reluctant to take advice from that scripture. Still, he comes anyway. He comes on top of that. Well, the world comes equipped with the scripture to guide it. Just like every species of life, beneath the human species of life, we find that there's an arrangement built into nature to meet their necessities. So the necessity of those souls that have come to the human form of life is really to know God, to love. That's their necessity. And there's a system built into the world whereby they may fulfill that desire. That's called the scripture. But some people neglect it. They don't pay attention. Oh, he comes himself as the guru in it. And he comes as his own incarnation, as Krishna. This is the whole idea of Bhagavad Gita, to show his love for the conditioned souls, to get them to fulfill the very purpose for which they exist. So the whole thing, it's not about suffering and God beating the souls and punishing them and their 
Uh, it's about love. That's what the world's about. The fact that it gets distorted is an inevitable consequence of God's love for us. Because his love for us as Mahavishnu, as Advaita, causes our cells to be expanded, to appear. Material nature is there, so it's not going to go away. So the Lord has relationship with it. And in this particular position as Mahavishnu, he has some relationship with it. As distant as that is, he has some relationship with material nature. He glances at material nature and goes there, thereby, through us. Not for the purpose of entangling us forever in some bondage, but for the purpose of our, as I said, meeting our Maker and knowing His love for us. But we neglect, this is our, as I say, we're stamped with individuality and will, made of His own stamp in the likeness of God. So some opportunity for abusing that is there. And we abuse it, and still He comes after us. And when, when we don't listen and the whole thing is wound up again, but what happens is Mahavishnu Advaita, he, oh, he gets tired of the whole thing. I've tried hard. I've tried hard. So he gets tired of the whole love affair with the world and says, let me take rest. Let me go to sleep. And after getting a good night's rest for a long, long time, he's ready to take it up again. And all those Jeevas that wouldn't listen, let me give them another chance. And again, they come out out of his love for everyone. Again, he appears in various incarnations over a long period of time of his life to instruct them to, in different species even of life, as Varaha and the Shingha, Kurma, Matsya. And the culmination of it all was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance, by which he figures, I'll finish the whole thing. <laughs> I'll stay awake forever. <laughs> of course, it has to go on. That is the Shristi Lila, but... In his appearance as Advaita, he shows the extreme form of his compassion and love for the conditioned soul. So where we would be without him, intimately related with Krishna Lila and a big player in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Lila. Another question? Advaita Charja Prabhu Ki Jai.